I bet you were expecting the intro music, weren't you? Well, I just noticed after getting the whole episode done that I called it episode 39 when it's actually episode 40. That's what happens when I take a week off. So now I'm recording this on the web interface for Anchor. And speaking of Anchor, hey, go ahead, leave me a voicemail via the Anchor app, ask questions, and I will do my best to try to give you an answer. If not, I'll give you a silly answer and hopefully entertain you. Now, on with the show. Hello, gamers. It's episode 39 of Playing It Wrong. Yes, we did take a little break last week. We didn't do an episode. Partly because of the holiday, partly because, well, all the crap online and the OSR and everything else. And I really didn't feel like doing an episode, because if I did, it wouldn't have been enjoyable, even for me. So, thank me for not doing anything. (laughs) Anyway, we're here. We're live with our audience of two puppies, who are, once again, taking a nap after taking their naps. However, that. We weren't perfectly idle during that time. Worked on some white box stuff, worked on some sharp swords and sinister spell stuff, and working on some minis, which I I might post pictures or not, but I suck at painting anymore because, oh, I'm old, my eyes suck, my hands are shaky, and I use cheap paints and cheap brushes, so they are not that great. Um, So no great skill there. All right, so no technical updates, really. Um, Just working and planning on everything for 2019, so should have some... Cool announcements as I get plans together for next year and crossing my fingers that things go really well. Things have got to go better. I will make things go better. That's my little personal technical note. Let's get on to the meat of this episode because I have no call-ins because, ah, well, everybody was distracted. So, the meat of this episode. Dice. When to roll them. When to hold them. And this is going to go for a long ramble here about a couple things. I'm going to start this off by referencing back you know, to the earlier episodes when I talked about skills. And we all know there are a lot of the old school types eh, that really, 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 really hate skills. And I'm one of those guys that I like skills. Skills can be useful. Skills can add an extra dimension to, your, to uh, the characters. Now, skills in more modern games become more of a crutch of I don't have to think about what I can doing and also the these are the only things I can do. So this is where I get into my when to hold them, when to, when to roll them type theory on dice. So uh, let's get down to the meat of it. The most important thing, even regardless of addition, is you're not asking your players to actually do acrobatic flips onto the table, or if they try, it's kind of embarrassing. It usually ends up in total failure. But especially when it comes to so-called knowledge and even social skills, is where I think we hit a lot of the the hiccups. Now, knowledge skill just depends on the DM of going ahead and saying, hey, because you're a wizard, you know about magic. Or a cleric, you know about gods. You don't have to put any huge amount of skill points for it because it's things you would know and things you don't need to roll to know unless it's some sort of very obscure bit of knowledge. Now, the same thing would go for acrobatics. 
Now, the social skills are a little different. Here's how I view it. First of all, you still got to role play. You still got to do the say in the words. But if you've been around the world enough, you'll know that the same person can say the exact same words in two different ways and get two different feelings. So the actual skill type role isn't necessarily the words, but it's for all those extra things that may not be able that the player may not easily convey, be that body language, intonation, timing, you know, eye contact, all these little things that may be difficult for the player to handle. Just because the character has a high charisma doesn't mean the player does. I'm sure we all have seen that and when a low charisma player tries to play a high charisma character, sometimes it just comes off as really creepy. And also you have to go by what the we'll call it target necessarily wants to believe or already believes that the character's already reinforcing it. So as a DM you've gotta adjudicate that in a social, semi-logical, but also emotional sense based on well NPCs and everything else. So it's all judgment. And that's like I said, so much of it is DM judgment. So in summary for the first part of my rant is roll when you need to, not because you have to. Rolling shouldn't be a substitute for actual doing and thinking. And go ahead and just give them the things they can always do, like the wizard knows spells. And, you know, you're not going to have people making a climbing roll just to step on a chair. I mean, come on, just a chair. Even though sometimes players will want to, like, I rolled my climb, can I, can I get on the chair? Did I get on the chair? Yeah, dude, you got on the chair. Um, and you fall and take 12d6 of damage and you're dead for being annoying. Just kidding, just kidding. Now I'm segueing into the second part of this whole long thought train of when do you roll as a DM openly, when do you roll secretly, and when do you roll for the player? Now, generally for practically everything a player does, they can roll their own damn dice. And I have no qualms about rolling to hits and damages in the open because you can't say I'm just trying to kill you because, well... I'm not fudging the die roll. Here it goes. Here it is. Well, I didn't do it. The dice did. Blame them. And sometimes I need to roll things in secret for a table or something like that. Or sometimes like monster saving throws if they are particularly tricky. But there's a couple special places where I really, really, really want to roll. Actually, usually roll for the player. And this makes some thieves hate me because I like rolling for secret doors and traps secretly because it's this much. We'll go for traps because it's a little more dramatic in my example. So the thief searches for traps, you know, and he does, the player doesn't know and the character doesn't know if there's a trap there and they just didn't see it or there's no trap there to see. So the thief can go up and go, yep, there's no traps, but there's still a trap. Same thing with secret doors. Now, with the secret door, you usually end up with a cascade of, oh, pop bluey secret door roll. Everybody else search for secret doors. And we keep rolling until somebody finally makes it. <sighs> Sometimes you just don't find the secret door. Sometimes you just don't find the trap. Stuff happens. I find it's 
handy to put a little bit of the danger and actually in the mind of the player, not just role-playing as a character. Okay, so I'm kind of sneaky that way sometimes. So let's kind of bring these two crazy ideas together. Sometimes you roll, sometimes you don't. Now one thing the DM, you never want to have one plot element or the dungeon be totally cut off just because somebody has one bad die roll. I mean, if the only way to ever find their way to the actual evil temple is to find one secret door that they never find, have another way in. Same thing with finding clues if you're doing a mystery, if you have to track the goblin raiders back to their camp to save the farmer's daughter and you can't find the tracks and your ranger is just dang unlucky, well, that kind of blows the whole adventure. So like, ah, well, Ranger Blue's tracking roll, well, adventure's over. No, you, sometimes you just got to give it to them in order to keep things moving. But you always got to keep it interesting. That level of chance and danger is, well, why the dice are there to begin with. The randomness makes things, well, interesting and really causes both the DM and the player to sometimes step back and improvise when things should go well. Now, if you've played DCC, you will see how much that can happen because DCC can, yeah, I'm talking about Dungeon Crawl Classics, can get really swingy and wild and spells and crits and fumbles can totally change not only the flow of a combat, but the landscape or even a character permanently. And I'm not talking permanently as of from live to dead. It could be other permanent damage or effects from, like, crits. Like so many bobs and bits of DM advice, it's hard to come up with an exact set of rules because, you know, let's face it, in most gaming scenarios, there's a lot of stuff going on. So any clear-cut definitive guidelines are really hard to come up with. Like I said before, the number ones are... How does it affect the plot? How does it affect the characters? One, what are the consequences of failure? What are the consequences of success? And the only way to really learn and do these things quickly and off the top of your head is experience. Just do it. And it doesn't even have to be you running games. Watch other DMs play games. There are plenty of actual plays. Some are boring, some are not. Watch some of those if you got the time. There's podcasts, YouTube videos. Watch how other people run. Yeah, not only will you figure out a few things about when to roll, when not to roll, but also, who knows, a few other little gaming tricks here and there. All right. Let's move on to readings from the Holy Tomes. All right. For if there are any new listeners, this is my little bit where I dig out my little brown books of original D&D and read whatever I think is cool. And I did that for a few episodes and realized I am bouncing around like an idiot. So, from there on out, we're going to start off and do this in order, a section at a time. So, that means in this episode, we are starting off with Volume 1, Men and Magic, and the introduction. I'm not going to read the whole thing, don't worry. I'm not going to read all of them to you verbatim like some long audiobook. I'm just pulling the parts of these sections out that I find the most interesting and interject my thoughts as I'm relaying them on to you. Excuse me as I shift here in my chair. So, introduction. This is the introduction by the man himself, E. Gary Gygax. 
and I want to start right, it's right about in the middle. It is relatively simple to set up a fantasy campaign, and better still, it will cost almost nothing. Not anymore. Um, okay, it can be really cheap if you don't buy a lot of modules, or minis, or... Well, I do a lot of stuff with, like, cheap minis, but it, it still can get quite expensive. In fact, you will not even need miniatures, although their occasional employment is recommended for a real spectacle when battles are fought. No, I didn't read that verbatim in case you're reading along. A quick glance at the equipment section of this booklet will reveal just how little is required. The most extensive requirement is time. Oh, that is so true. If you've been a DM, a player... Now, let's, let's face it. If you've played 3rd edition and you're starting off a campaign, or you're making a new character because your higher-level character died, and you have to make a new character, and DM says, yeah, go ahead and make your make an eighth-level character. That's going to take you about a day, um, especially if you're playing Pathfinder and all the effing splat books. Okay, the campaign referee will have to have sufficient time to meet the demands of his players. He will have to devote a number of hours to laying out the maps of his dungeons and upper terrain before the affair begins. The third book at blah 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 blah. Right, and blah 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 blah. We're going to skip to the last paragraph. Uh, these rules are strictly fantasy. Those wargamers who lack imagination. Those who don't care for Burroughs' Martian adventures where John Carter is groping through black pits. Who feel no thrill upon reading Howard's Conan saga who do not enjoy the DeCamp and Pratt fantasies or Fritz Leiber's Fafford and the Grey Mouse or pitting their swords against evil sorceries will not likely to find Dungeon Dragons to their taste. But those whose imaginations know no bounds will find that these rules are the answer to their prayers. With this last bit of advice, we invite you to read on and enjoy a world where the fantastic is fact and magic really works. So I want to say this last paragraph is sort of the preliminary appendix N. Burroughs, John Carter, <laughs> Elsbrock de Camp, Pratt, Fritz Leiber, Robert E. Howard. They're the big ones. So, what do we take from the introduction? Well, from my first bit of reading, even in the earliest days, being a DM takes time and work. Even if you're pulling a stock adventure off the shelf and not writing your own, you still gotta read it, you still gotta not really memorize it, but pretty much know it frontward and backwards makes sense when the players who will eventually go off the track will go off the track and let them. Please, let them go off the track. No railroads. Also brings up the, uh, you're only limited by your imagination. You can make wonky stuff. You can make crazy stuff. It also brings out, like I said, the first inklings of an appendix N in the introduction. And here's the part that I, I kind of hate to say, and it's going to sound really, really bad. Yes, 5e is bringing in a lot of new new people, a lot of young blood, but their Appendix N, I think, is more Lord of the Rings movies at best, or World of Warcraft at worst. And some of the gameplay and mechanics reflect that. But that's that's a whole long rant, and that could be a whole forum thread, and I'm sure there are probably several dozen of them out there in arguments and flame wars. I don't care. I will steal the quote from Matt Finch from his uh, live streams of, it doesn't matter what edition of a D&D you play, imagine the hell out of it. Yeah, I know I got off base here, and I'm going to be wrapping this up pretty soon, so uh, 
what I want to say is that next month we should have a bunch of cool announcements of great plans that I'm going to try to set for myself and hopefully help share my ideas and maybe occasionally get a kick in the butt from uh, some of you out there say, keep going, Chuck, do stuff. All right, thank you. Roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have some fun. We need more fun. And thanks for listening. Please visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. That's theymightbegazebos.blog. And the letter B, not B, spelled out. Or visit us on Facebook to search for They Might Be Gazebos. Ask us questions and you might get an answer. If not, we'll just make up the questions and the answers. Remember, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun. Intro music is Metal Mania by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 Attribution License. Please visit his website at incompetech.com. That's incompetech.com. Really, visit it. There's also downloadable graph paper and hex paper. Additional sound effects from freesound.org used under Creative Commons 01.0 Universal License.